the church could have been more open. Don't get me wrong. I think that had they been more open back then, um, perhaps I wouldn't have left. But keep in mind the way I the way I look at things. Everything happens for a reason. If if I were to have changed anything in my life, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yeah. And I like where I am right now. Yeah. I am incredibly in love with my wonderful wife. She's my best friend. I like where I live. I like what I do. I like my job. I like the things that I have. And, and you change anything. I'm not where I am right now. And mm -hmm. I, I think everything happens for a reason. There have been millions of people that have, that have seen or heard my story. And it's helped a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was the plan all along. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to second guess God, but you got to go, you know, that, that may be everything happened that way for a reason. excited uh for our podcast today i have dusty here and i saw dusty on saints unscripted a while back and then i saw him more recently on the comeback podcast and uh yeah i really appreciate you taking time out of your day like i know that uh you've been battling cancer and everything so from what i understand um you are convert you were convert to the church in the like when you were um, a young adult, if I'm not mistaken, I converted when I was 23. I would already I was already a college graduate, and I had a job. I actually quit my job to serve a mission at the age of 24. So I was older than most missionaries. Yeah, and came back from my mission and went to law school. And in my third year of law school, I went to Palmyra for the pageant, and encountered a bunch of anti Mormons. And uh, I came back wanting to learn more, to be a better apologist, I think, for the LDS church, if I was ever in that situation again. And it kind of backfired on me. Right. And so, and then I think all of my listeners are going to understand how that goes. And then you are active on a lot of internet um, boards. Uh, I don't know, different, uh, kind of like Reddit before Reddit, I guess. Well, actually there was, there were, there were chat boards that Yahoo did and Microsoft did back in the day. And I joined uh, LDS boards to fight with people, you know, okay. to tell them how wrong they were and to argue with them. Okay. Uh, and then just through a series of events, uh, you made friends with someone that was a Latter-day Saint and you actually built a good relationship with that person. And that probably softened you a little bit. Um, oh, I don't know that. Well, it just softened you to the idea. I had, I had, a, I, had a, I had more than one friend who was LDS. Okay. okay. Mike was the one who was the most uh, active with me, uh, praying for me, putting my name in the temple, um, 
I don't know if that softened me. I mean, you can arguably say that his prayers had Heavenly Father softened me, you know, but I don't know that Mike softened me by himself. I was pretty, I, I like to argue with Mike. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and, and I had some other friends, uh, a guy named Steve Marsh, who was an, an attorney that I worked with um, in Dallas, uh, who was LDS, and we had discussions as well. But, but Mike was the most active, most, the most in my face with it. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. And then you had um, some miracles happen. You had some missionaries, uh, show up and you were sick with the flu and you popped right out of bed, like amazing, miraculous stories. The flu, the swine flu. Swine flu. Yes. And then, uh, yeah. What was the other part of your story? Oh, you were something about a, was that a friend that was going to get a job in Salt Lake? Or you said, if there's a job opening there. Wife. Then, oh, your wife, not a friend. Yeah, That's right. By the way, is my friend too. So I suppose you had that right. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I guess I remember it being a person, like a woman, but I, I couldn't remember her relation to you. And, and, okay, your wife. <laughs> and just as it were, uh, oddly enough, in today's society, my wife is a woman. Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, the events you're talking about happened many, many years apart. It was in 2009 that I got the swine flu and I went down to Mexico for depositions and came back and, and had contracted the swine flu back when it was killing everybody. And um, some missionaries were came into my house. My, my son let him in. I would have never let him in. Hmm. And they came up to where I was in bed because I was I I believed I was going to die. I was really, really sick. And uh, people were dying from this all over the world. Uh, we don't know how many. I mean, their people weren't being tested and everything like they did with COVID. But uh, they gave me a blessing. And I immediately was healed. But that was in 2009. And I wasn't interested. And I asked him to leave my house when I, and I actually walked him downstairs to my door and said, don't ever come back. Mm -hmm. um, it was in 2014 that my wife was, was, um, was working for a company and uh, she had gotten transferred to Louisiana. So she was living in Louisiana. I was living in Dallas and uh, we, we wanted her to, this was a promotion for her and she had taken the, the company, the district that she was working. She had taken it from in the forties up to number four in the company. And in January of 2015, the company told her they were going to close her district and give her severance paperwork. Within the next day, the vice president of the company called her and said, don't sign anything. There's a position open in Baltimore and, uh, put your paperwork in there, but it's a two week vetting process for any of these positions to so stay where you are until we get the vetting done and, and we'll see if you get the position in Baltimore. So that's when I called my friend, Mike, that was in my face all the time. And I asked him to pray for, for Susan to get that position in Baltimore. And that's when I made the joke, but if heavenly father really wants me to, uh, become a member, member of the church again, He'll send Susan to Utah. And I was I was just kidding. There were no openings in Utah. 
but the very next day, the person in Utah retired. And then the very next day, Susan's paperwork was transferred from Baltimore to Salt Lake, and she was hired without the two-week vetting. And that's when I kind of said, okay, there's been a lot of weird things going on. And I began to, to, to pray for, for guidance. And I, you know, if this is what you want, that's fine. But I've been fighting the church for 26 years. And uh, I've been asking questions for 26 years that nobody's been able to answer. And that's when things started happening in my life to bring me back to the church. Okay. And I will make sure I link. Um, I just rewatched your Saints Unscripted video and you go through that like in more detail. So if people want more detail about kind of that story, I will make sure I put a link. But I kind of, I had some questions if you can fill in some blanks from that interview. Like what were your beliefs growing up? Like what led you, uh, does it, so yeah, when you grew up, the home you grew up in, what were you taught to believe as a child? <laughs> well, my dad left when I was five. Okay. Uh, my mom, I, I lived really close. Well, we lived in Austin, um, really close to my grandparents, my mom's parents. And so we spent a lot of time with my grandparents. And so I like to say that my, my grandparents helped raise me um, in, my, in my young years. And my mother was Lutheran and my grandfather was Catholic and my grandmother was Baptist. Oh, well. So yeah, I went to, you know, all three and pretty, pretty regularly or was it yeah. just here and there? Yes. No, 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 no. Now it was, it, it was regularly Lutheran. It was often to either the Catholic or the Baptist church. Um, and, uh, when I would stay with my great grandmother, in summers and in Christmas vacations, or went to Baptist church with her. She was, you know, the kind of Baptist that went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday evening. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I, I was pretty confused, but but I never doubted the fact there was a God. I mean, I was never, you know, I grew up with that thought, but I I just didn't understand why there were so many different uh, traditions and 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 practices between the three churches if you all use the same book. You know, mm -hmm. I, I grew up with with wondering about about that. That didn't make any sense to me. And so, uh, when how were you first introduced to the church? Was it missionaries? No, my mother had been to Salt Lake on business. She worked for the Veterans Administration and had come up to the Salt Lake VA from from uh, Austin. And somebody had given her a Book of Mormon um, that she then, when she got back to Austin put on the bookshelf in my old bedroom. And I was home one day when I was 23 and, uh, and I was uh, going to wash clothes. Cause like I, like I say, washing clothes was free. Um, and I wanted to read a, a, a Louis L'Amour Western while I was washing my clothes. And I was up in my bookshelf looking for a Louis L'Amour, you know, a quick read and the book of Mormon fell off. And I sat down to read it and I had never seen it before. 
sat down to read it, opened it up and began reading and became very curious, went to the phone book, looked it up. And I talk in my firesides about how (laughs) I had no idea who to call, you know, it's easy to find parishes and churches, but in the LDS church, it was ward or stake. And I had no idea which one to call, Hmm. but it was lunchtime and uh, I was hungry. So I picked the stake to call. Um, and the stake president happened to be there during lunch that day, said he wasn't typically there, but he'd forgotten some paperwork on Sunday. And he happened to be there when I called and I talked with him and ended up meeting with the missionaries. Okay. That's cool. Um, uh, so, so after you had the missionary discussions, just answered a lot of the questions that you had then, like about, um, you know, for, for me, when I, when I heard the missionary discussions and I, I read the book of Mormon, it was a great comfort to me. And when you're Protestant or Catholic, you, you grow up thinking that, um, you know, that, that Jesus was just in uh, the Middle East and that was it. Uh, but certain verses that you, you read kind of jump out at you, like, what did he mean when he says, I have other flocks that are not of other sheep, not of this flock that I must, you know, teach. And you wonder who he's talking about and you and you wonder why wasn't anybody else important, you know, uh, just people in the Middle East. And there was a great comfort when I first heard the discussions and heard that, uh, that Jesus came to the, to the Americas as well. Um, and, and that, that really, it was, it, it intrigued me and comforted me and uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. So tell me about, tell me more about your, your wife. Um, so she was not on the same page as you initially, but then later on, I know that you said that she did get baptized. So, um, yeah, how did that look right when you kind of had your epiphany that you should come back to the church? I married my, my wife in 2010. So this was after I had been anti for many years. When these things started happening, I came back to the church. And of course, I discussed it with her. She's my best friend. Mm -hmm. And Susan was raised in a very devout Southern Baptist family. And she's, she said, I will go with you to church. I'll go to functions with you. I'll support whatever you want to do, but I'll never, ever join. I mean, I, I just won't do it. Um, and she was, she was, she was very supportive of, of me and she did go to church with me and we, we did have a lot of discussions. Um, that's a that's pretty unique for a Southern Baptist be like open to that, right? Is there? I, I don't like to I don't like to generalize like that. Um, my grandmother, 
who was Baptist, was very devout Southern Baptist, never missed church. Mm-hmm. And her words to me were, I don't care where you go to church as long as you're going to church. Susan's mother, very devout Baptist. I mean, just died in the wool Baptist. When I told her that I had gotten baptized, she said, I don't care. I know you love the Lord. When you're here, you go to church with me. I know you love the Lord, so I don't care where you go. So I, I think that that I think you can generalize and say that most Southern Baptists would not have anything to do with with what I did. But they're but everybody's different and you're going to find people in every church that are good and some that are bad or some that are stuck in their old ways and some that are not very tolerant and some that are very tolerant. I don't, I don't want to put labels on anybody or any group. Yeah. There's, there's not like a, a common core belief that uh, separates those types of people. Is there? <laughs> well, and, 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 but, but Susan loves me. Mm-hmm. Why would she not support what I do? And and I supported her not being a member. I mean, it was not, we never argued about it. We never, you know, I I, 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 I used to kid, but I, I would say, you know, hey, hey uh, baby, my patriarchal blessing says I get sealed in the temple. I'd like it to be with you. You know, I would, I would kid with her, but I never, I never ever uh, tried to force her or, or anything. And I, I just figured if it was, if it was the right thing for her, it would happen. Mm-hmm. And it did. She, uh, when my story came out and I was asked to meet with, um, elder Ugdorf, one of the, uh, Latter-day Saint apostles, um, she was with me and, and he talked with her. And the next day she said she was ready for the discussions. And it was, uh, soon after that, that I got that very unique pleasure of baptizing my own wife. Hmm. Cool. Um, so you've kind of gone through a, a varying uh, belief here. So if you were to like look back like and ask yourself when you first joined the church, like how confident are you that the church is true? Like what would have that previous self, like what, what would have you said like right the first time that you joined the church? when I joined the church the first time, keep in mind, I, I was not raised in the church. Right. So I had no real strong background and I was only one in my family who was a member. Mm-hmm. So I had no real support. I believed it enough to quit my job and go serve a mission for a year and a half and not make any money. Back then missions were 18 months. Um, I believed I was right. I, I would not have done something that I didn't believe. Uh, I believed I was right. And uh, looking back, I, I you know, I, I understand why I believed it. But uh, there was never a doubt in my mind when I joined or when I quit my job to go serve a mission. So, like, yeah, your your confidence level is pretty high then. So then after... Uh, as you were in your anti-Mormon phase, what was your confidence level then? Well, let me, let me say a couple of things about, about that. So several things, number one, back in 89, 
the church was not very open. If you had questions, they didn't have any answers. They would just say, don't ask questions, just have faith. Now, the church is much more open now. I mean, you can read books like Rough Stone Rolling and things like that to see the church is pretty open now. Can I, can I add just a little to that? I feel sure. like I, I'm not going to argue with you because the only reason I'm where I'm at is because I read Saints. So, like, I, I read it stuff using church, so if, uh, church published materials, right? But that sentiment, that kind of spirit of uh, not wanting to talk about it is still, it still seemed alive within my, the people that I, had resources to ask. Like, I didn't dare ask those questions still, if that makes sense. Well, any church, I mean, you want secrecy, talk to the Catholics, but, but, but any church is probably going to have things they don't want to talk about in public. And there's a, there's still things that the church, I think when you're regarding the temple and things like that, that we're pretty, pretty secretive about sure. quiet about because it's sacred to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're a lot more open now than we were in 89. I mean, in 89, you wouldn't have a book called Rough Stone Rolling that's out yeah, there. Yeah, and I, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so number one, you had, I'm a, I was a law school student being told, don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, if you, if you have, for, for me back at, at the age of 29 in law school, if you don't want to answer my questions, you're hiding something. Add to that the fact that for three years in law school, I worked a full-time job, which not many people do when they go to law school full-time. So I went to law school full-time, had a full-time job, spent two hours a day driving to and from school or work, had to study, had a wife who didn't speak English, so I did all the grocery shopping and everything, all the doctor's visits, had one baby born during exam week of my first semester and one baby born during the exam week of my last semester. Okay, I literally lived for three and a half years on about three hours of sleep a night. Hmm. I was not physically, emotionally or spiritually prepared for that spiritual battle that I had when I came back from Palmyra. Hmm. And can I, I had, can I ask you about time frame? Like when I is had, it? And I had no family support. Okay. So uh, from the time that you encountered the the stuff that you didn't know about in Palmyra, and then from the time that you stopped practicing, how long was that? Was it really fast for you? About three months, two to yeah. three months. Okay, so it's pretty quick. Um. So I wasn't prepared for the spiritual battle that I underwent, um, and I had no real family support. Um, so you take any of those factors out of it. If I'd had, if I hadn't been so mentally and emotionally exhausted after three years of, of law school, um, if I had had family that was, or if I'd had a strong background in the church or if they had answered questions back then, um, any of those things may have prevented me from leaving the church. Hmm. Um, so as far as 
But at, at the same time, I mean, you were confident enough when you left that it was like you were pretty confident at the same time when uh, your confidence level was quite high after you left that you weren't making a mistake. Or did you have doubts when you left? Oh, I had doubts. And, and, and sure, I had doubts. Um, what were you doubting? Like, what was your biggest hang up? What if it was really true and I was giving it all up? Hmm. You know, what if I'm committing, you know, what if I'm, what if I'm really screwing? And, and I will tell you this too. Um, for the next 26 years that I fought the church, I constantly felt a pull to come back to the church. Hmm. Always had that pull. And I, I, I always, um, thought to myself, it's not the church that's given me the pull. It's my fond memories. I loved being in the church when I was in the church. I loved the camaraderie, the, the, the feeling that, you know, if you had something wrong, you had 15 members show up at your house to fix it. I mean, it was, uh, I loved that feeling of belonging and I, I, I loved, uh, and I truly loved my mission. I mean, I just love being a missionary. And even when I hated the church at my most hateful moments, if you'd asked me my favorite time in my life, I would have said my time as a missionary. Hmm. Um, so I constantly felt a pull. I just I just believed that it wasn't the church pulling me back. It was my memories pulling me back. But for 26 years, I felt the pull. Yeah, it sounds like you weren't a true anti-Mormon then. <laughs> just kidding. Well, look, it's a total joke. If you... <laughs> if you Talk to some of the people that hated my guts. <laughs> I would tell you that they probably thought I was a true anti-Mormon. Um, no, it's sometimes when uh, someone leaves, they get that thrown at them. Oh, you didn't have a true testimony. You didn't have a real testimony or whatever. And so I was just being. Well, <laughs> you know, there's there's the, always the, the, the what you always hear that people can leave the church, but can't leave it alone. Yeah. You know, and uh, I fell into that. I couldn't leave it alone. I, I wanted to hurt it as best, you know, and I, I felt deceived and when I left the church. I felt like they had deceived me. But again, for 26 years, there was always that slight, sometimes more than others, that pull to come back. Mm -hmm. um, but when I prayed about it, I, I never felt like I needed I should come back. You know, mm -hmm. who, who knows? Maybe the Lord's timing wasn't there yet. Yeah. So like, uh, at, so during this whole time, you still felt like you had a relationship with God, then you're still praying. Oh yeah. Look, there's, <clears throat> were you going to a different church or did you try other churches? Um, when I left, when I left the, uh, the LDS church, I was more or less non-denominational. Uh, when I was in the army, uh, I had an overseas, well, overseas, they call it overseas, but I was in Panama and Honduras. Um, I attended non-denominational churches. Um, when I came back to the States, I attended a Baptist church for a little while and then became Catholic um, and was Catholic for a long time and loved the Catholic church, loved it. Um, I don't have any negative thing to say about the Catholic. I. I did not leave the Catholic Church because I was disenchanted with it. I left the Catholic Church because I think the LDS Church is the one that I need to attend. I think it's the true church. 
the one with 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 all with with the authority. I'm not saying the church is perfect. There's a lot of warts. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I used the wards for 26 years against people, but I still think it's the true church. I think it's the one that that, that has the authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the uh, the most the biggest one I've been intrigued with is is the uh, Catholic Church, but um, it's kind of hard living in Utah and church shopping. It's like it's like if you're interested in going to church, it seems obvious which one to go to just because it has the bigger community. And well, it's Catholic Church is, is amazing. I, I, I love the Gregorian chants. I love the 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 sacredness of being just in church in the quiet and and the tradition of it, the just incredible tradition that goes back hundreds of years, thousands, a couple thousand years. And I really liked that. So when I say I left the Catholic Church to become a member of this church again, there was no animus. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when I left the LDS church, there was a lot of animus. I have no animus against the Catholic church. I, I still think about, I don't, I don't feel a pull to come back like I did to the LDS church, but I miss it. I mean, I miss the, the, the Gregorian chants and everything. And, and, and do you I, feel like you could still just go participate in a, a mass here or there? Like, I don't know what stops you from doing that. I'll be honest with you. I, there's been a couple of, um, of Chris, Christmas Eve's that I have been very tempted to go to midnight mass uh, for mm-hmm. Christmas. Cause when you're Catholic, you go to midnight mass on Christmas Eve and the LDS church doesn't have that. And there's just something really nice about midnight mass for at Christmas. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's something really uh, intriguing about Holy week in the Catholic church. Uh, okay. And so, yeah. Oh gosh. I, I would, if I had a friend who's Catholic and said, come to mass with me next week, I'd say, okay. I'm not going to come back to being a Catholic again. I, I, I'm where I want to be, where I feel like I need to be. But that doesn't mean I don't have really fond memories of being Catholic and okay. and missing that uh, certain things about the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, so how or why I, you maintained your belief in God, and that's just uh, it's not as common. I just No, there's a lot of people who give up on God when they leave the LDS church. So why do you think you fell out of that box? What, um, because I believe you, God exists. Do you think it's because you had that foundation before you even joined the church? Well, I grew up with the foundation, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney a long time. I, 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 I like to question things. I like to find reasons for things. I grew up with the foundation that God exists, but I've come to the conclusion on my own that God exists. Uh, I, I don't think I, I, I can't imagine that this is accidental, that we're all accidental, that we have the abilities that we have and it's accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just I can't buy it and I, I can't find anything that makes me think that that there's no God. Um, the things that we are able to do our eyes, our, 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 our ears, our, our heart, our brain. I just find it really hard to believe that's all accidental. And I have had my own confirmations that God exists. Um, so no, I never, it never occurred to me that there wasn't a God. Okay. Um, do you feel like the way that you view God has changed over time, over your different stages of life? Or like, do you feel like, uh, 
um, either the relationship changed or the way you view God or maybe the certainty of what God is or who God is. Um, anyway, it, take any of that. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, you know, as a kid, believing in God, God was this, the big principle in the sky. You know, he carried the, he was, he was the, he was, you know, when you're in elementary school, believing in God, God is more like a big principle. He, he is, you, you, you pray to him, you say your night prayers, you pray it, it, you know, when you're eating and, and you hope you don't sin because you don't want to be punished by the great principle in the sky. Um, as I grew older, uh, my view of that changed and, and God became, God became more of, of a father, I think. And how I talk to God is different because I, I realized, I think that not only do I believe in God, but I, but as I say in my firesides, God believes in me. And when you're a, a kid, the, the, the prayers are very formal, you know, dear God, you know, in Jesus name. Amen. I mean, they're, they're all very formal prayers when you're a kid. Now I, I consider God like my father. And, and so for me, I'll be walking along and I'll look up and see the mountains here in Utah and the sunrise coming over the mountains. And I'll say, Oh, wow, God, look what you just painted today. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation as it is, I guess, more than a, like a, a formal prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he cares deeply about everybody and, and he would love me as much as if I'm the only person on this earth as he does with me being one of billions. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I become more attuned to the fact that, that I can talk to God and God listens as opposed to talking to God and hoping he hears. Okay. So, um, during your phase where you were practicing Catholic, did you still have that kind of relationship with God or was it a little different without, cause what you just described sounds very Latter-day Saint to me. So I, so I'm there curious. Are, if there, are, there were certain things, there were certain Latter-day Saint beliefs that I think that, um, that I kept with me in my Catholic years. And I think there are some certain Catholic things with me that I kept with me be coming back to the LDS church, my relationship with God is a lot different now than it was as a Catholic, not because of anything that, that I learned or anything, but just because of the miracles that have happened to bring me to where I am today made me just acutely aware of how much God cares for each of us. And it's more personal than God is more personal to me now than he was when I was Catholic. And that's not because I didn't believe as a Catholic, it's because experiences since then have changed how I, how I react, I think. Okay. I'm curious, uh, the Catholic stuff that you've kept with you. <laughs> Can you not say? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I still say the rosary. But I don't say it completely the way the Catholics do. 
Uh, you're going to have to help me out. Uh, is that the one where you... Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Bless and you count, God, like, on the beads, you count yes. how many times you're doing yes. it. Okay. I still say the rosary. Not every day, like I did as a Catholic, but I still say it. Uh, I don't recite the Apostles' Creed, which they do as Catholics, I, but I do the Lord's Prayer. and Because yeah. everything in the rosary is biblical, um, other than the Apostles' Creed. And so... Uh, I don't do the Apostles' Creed, but I do. And it's a great, you know, beads. There's a lot of faiths that use beads because beads can help you concentrate. Yeah. Um, and, and you'll find beads in, in several different denominations. I like the I like the rosary. Um, I like contemplating on the different parts of the Bible that you discuss in the rosary. So I, I still do that. I also, I probably give more... Um, I put more meaning into sacrament than most of my Latter-day Saint brothers and sisters do. Um, I have some strong beliefs about, about the body and blood of Christ um, that I've carried with me my whole life. And so I, and I remember, I, and by the way, I, I told my state president and my bishop these two things that I just told you. Um, and my state president, or maybe with my bishop, I can't remember now, said, smiled at me, and he said, I don't think anybody's going to be angry that you put more meaning into the sacrament than we, <laughs> you know, um, just don't put less meaning into the sacrament. So, I mean, I, there are some things that I, that I still, I still take with me, and, and, um, uh, and probably always will. That's really cool. I actually like that a lot. <laughs> um, I, I guess if you were to speculate, like why do you know if I said what a nun is, would you know what I'm talking about? Like not a nun, Catholic nun, but like N-O-N-E, nun. Like if the Pew Research will do a poll and they'll say like the nuns are growing. So it's basically people who say they're not affiliated with any uh, church organization. But it's not atheist because they don't, they won't claim atheist. They'll say like, I'm spiritual, but we're not religious. So, or they'll hold on to their belief. They might still believe in God, but they're not affiliated with any church. I will tell you that one thing, one, I'm going to make one point before you finish that question. I'm not convinced there's any such thing as an atheist. <laughs> right. I mean, it, think about it. Sounds like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> well, what does an atheist say? There is no God. Uh, how, how, yeah. how, how can you possibly know that for a fact unless you yourself are a God? Right. So, I, you know, I, I think you can say I don't believe that there's a God. You know, but I don't know that you can say there is no God. Well, I generally don't call myself that, but a lot of other people would call me that given after I describe to them what I believe. <laughs> so I usually don't get in the weeds of like labels. I'll usually take whoever's label I'm talking to. So I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, I guess the, the question I kind of have there, there are a lot of nuns. There's a lot of people that are, at least leaving behind their childhood faith, the faith that they were brought up in. And I would, I'm just curious, like what, I think that's the, 
the fastest growing demographic is nuns. So I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, why do you think, what do you think is causing it? Um, or if you've thought about it at all, I'm just curious what you think about um, it. What I'm going to say does not mean that I'm categorizing anybody in this way, but I'm going to tell you some thoughts that I've had. Number one, it's hard to be a believer. It's hard. It's, it's hard to be a member of the LDS church. It's hard to be Catholic. It's probably less difficult anymore to be Baptist or Methodist, but it's hard to be a church, to be a member of a church that has strong beliefs because you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be mocked. You're going to have rules. You don't want to follow rules anymore. So you say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in the rules. I don't, it's, it's hard to be a member hmm. and to have those beliefs and to follow those beliefs. It's easy to not be. I mean, look, I've never drank alcohol, uh, not because of religious beliefs, just because I just never have. But if I was, if I was a member of, if I was a, a young member of the church, of the LDS church, and I said, man, I, I want to drink, I want to smoke, I want to drink coffee, I want to drink iced tea. So I believe in God, but I don't want these rules anymore. So I'll be a nun because I can do what I want to do and still believe in God or have believe however I want to believe. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of, of people that just, and I'm not saying everybody, but I think there's a lot of people that just say it's, it's just easy. It's easier. There's less, there's, there's less that I have to worry about. There's less rules. And we become a society that doesn't want rules. We become, become a society that wants immediate satisfaction, immediate gratification. Um, and, and you're not going to find that in, in the Catholic church or the LDS church or, uh, stone believers of, in the Baptist church, uh, you know, you're, 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 so I, I, so I think that, that some of, some people do it for that reason, especially young people, they don't want to follow the rules and it's easy to not follow the rules, but then you pin them down. Yeah, I believe in God, but I, I just don't believe in rules. Um, and a lot of people have been turned off by, you know, they, they'll, they'll let somebody offend them. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, not, then I'm, you know, a Catholic, um, if I was a Catholic, I'd say, well, this Catholic person offended me. So I don't believe in the Catholic church, but I believe in God. I don't want to be a member of a denomination, but I want to be, but I do believe. And I, so I think that, that there's, there's a lot of reasons. So those are just two of them, I think, but there's other reasons. It's, uh, was, would you describe that's the reason that you, uh, fell away too? Do you think that was? Ooh. So I went from LDS to Catholic and you think I worry about rules. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> well, I guess. No, um, okay. I, I didn't. And I was never, a, I was never a nun. I, you know, I, I was a non-denominational. Okay, so that's how you describe why people are it was nuns. A denominational, which it was a denomination in itself. Non-denominational is still denominational. It's just not one of the mainstream. Um, but then, you know, I, then I spent a lot of years as a Catholic. So, you know, I was never, I, I never would have considered myself a nut in anything that in any, any part of my life. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I know that a lot of people are gonna they're gonna bristle at that framing. Um, oh sure, like I said, I I don't subscribe well, it to everybody, and, well, sure. and maybe and maybe only a few people. But I have talked to people. I look as as the podcasts that I've done and the and the magazine article, the book, the the firesides, the videos. I've had a lot of people talk to me and ask me questions. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to a lot of people who have told me, I just don't want the rules. I just don't want to, to feel like I'm always guilty of breaking a rule. Hmm. You know, I, I like the freedom of doing what I want to do without the guilt. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, and there's a lot of people in the denominations who will guilt you, you know, yeah, so I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but I but I have talked to enough people in in the, in the last several years that I, I believe there's that there's a, a few of them that that fall in the categories that I just mentioned. Yeah, well, I guess one of the thoughts I've I had is like, <sighs> certainly you're not following rules of other religions that you don't believe in or you don't participate in. Like, I don't know. Give me a rule. Well. I guess you have been though with the. Uh, well, the look, if, 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 no, no, if, no, I'm just saying, if I'm just I saying, follow the LDS church and the rules that they have, uh -huh. tell me a rule that I'm not following in another church. I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm, I'm reading the scriptures. I'm praying. Um, those are pretty much the rules of the Catholic church and the Baptist church and the Methodist church and the Lutheran church. I mean, if you're following the because if you're following the rules of the church, mm -hmm. then you you like to think you're following the rules that scripture lays out. Mm -hmm. Won't those be the rules of almost every church that 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 is a that's a, a, a Trinity church or a, a Jesus church? Not obviously not the, the I'm not talking about Jews or Muslims, but um people that that believe in in, in God and, and Jesus as his son. They're going to pretty much follow the same rules if they're following the rules of the scriptures. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to decide how to word it though, because um, I guess I feel like my willingness to participate was not at all. Um, it's like I hope that it was true. And then when I was being honest with myself, I was like, I don't think it's true. And then once you don't think it's true, it doesn't make sense to do some of the things. And some of the things still do make sense. And so you try to do them in other ways. And I'll admit, I personally have had a hard time uh, creating my own rituals. Like I feel like having that is actually easier from a church than creating your own outside of church. It's, well, it's actually easier to take a church and its doctrine and act it out in your life than it is to go try to create your own. Like, I think that's actually one of the benefits of church is that it it's easier to get those benefits than it is on your own. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the, the thing with, with church whatever denomination you're in is there's a sense of community. I mean, there's a sense of and support. With, with other people. Um, when I left the LDS church back in 89, 
I didn't, uh, there were certain things that I no longer did that they, that they prescribed. For example, I drank iced tea. I've uh, never been a coffee drinker, never been a smoker or an alcohol drinker. But I, I, I started drinking iced tea. But does that mean that I didn't follow? I mean, I, but I still read the scriptures every day and I still prayed and I still tried to follow the commandments and the teachings of, of Christ because I still believed. I just wasn't a member of the church. So I still followed the rules. There wasn't a whole lot I had to change to come back to the church because I never started a lot of that stuff up because I never was a smoker, never was a drinker. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I guess let's move on to, uh, do you feel like, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. You were saying the culture of the church was not really conducive to uh, asking questions. Like, and you do feel like it's getting better I do. now. Is it as good as it needs to be or could it be better? Like what would, what, what do you wish you would see in like culture of the church as far as that goes? Hadn't really thought about it. Um, I, I think that, that the church is slowly but surely becoming more open and, and it's maybe taking it too long. Um, but I look at books like the jo Joseph Smith papers and um, rough stone rolling and books like that. And, and some of the things that the church puts out. And I think that they're really trying to be more open. Um, does that mean that they're where they need to be? Probably not, but who am I to judge? You know, I, I, I like where they're headed. And I like the fact that they are more open. Um, do you um, do you see any anything in the church culture that that's focused on that you feel like they could let go of a little bit? I'm thinking of um, like obedience. Uh, I'm trying to think. There there are certain things. <laughs> that for my personality didn't lead me to like learning things on my own, I guess. Like I just, I know that, and, and maybe I'm, I'm kind of a jerk for even bringing this up because out of one side of my mouth, I'm going to say that. And then out of the other side of my mouth, I'm going to admit that I had lessons that talked about gaining your own testimony. And you know, like all of that was still happening at the same time, but um, I don't know. I just, I guess I remember having, having a belief of like, well, I am not very smart and so-and-so is really smart and they know all of the information. So I don't need to learn it for myself. Kind of, um, I guess if you were to like, if you were to encourage my previous self, would you say, yeah, that's okay to act like that? Or would you be like, hey, there, there's a rough time coming. You probably ought to, you probably ought to know all of the things. <laughs> well, I'm not the right person to ask that question um, because I'm incredibly um, not like that. I, I want to know. 
I want to read, I want to study, I want to know. And so from the standpoint of I'm like that, I would tell you that I would say there ought to be curiosity and you ought to, I mean, I've, I've, I've been curious since I was a kid. I, I wanted to know. And so I would tell you your younger self, not just about this, but about everything you should do your studies. You should learn if you have yeah. a curiosity, learn whether it's about God, whether it's about computers, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, don't depend on somebody else to, to learn it for you. I mean, I, I hundred percent agree with you. And even my previous self felt like, I felt like I could do that up to a point. <laughs> like I felt like I was almost sinning if I was looking too far, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it, it felt like a sin to be too curious. And I don't well, feel that anymore. This, it was that kind of curiosity that led Joseph Smith to do his thing. It was that kind of curiosity of wanting to know, wanting to strive for. And he was ridiculed by other denominations, pastors and stuff that you're 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 digging too deep. Mm -hmm. uh, but he did it anyway. Why? Because he wanted to know. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, do you think that spirit of curiosity is still, do you still see that happening in, from the pulpit today? Like, it, so this is the way, what you just described totally cracked open. And I saw that, I saw that when I was, when my collapse of belief happened and I was trying to learn stuff, I was like, holy cow, that's exactly what Joseph Smith was doing. He was going through exactly what I feel like I'm going through. And, and then I, I guess I feel like there was this really the early church was very open, but then it's almost like once it became stated, and then it just became more of keeping what was there. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Let's sure. say, let's say that you have a, a friend or acquaintance and you decide that you want to tell that person something and they bash you for it and you say, okay. And then two weeks later you say, I'm going to tell you something else and they ridicule you for it. And they even may even get some of their friends to mock you and ridicule you. How open are you going to be to that person in the future? You're probably not going to trust that person anymore. <laughs> exactly. So the church was very open early on, but think of all the attacks the church had physically and financially and spiritually. Um, Joseph Smith was assassinated. Um, they were shoved from place to place to place, burned out. There was an extermination order in the state of Missouri that lasted until the, you know, just a few years ago. Hmm. I mean, at some point I can understand hmm why the church said, we're not going to answer any more questions. Just don't ask questions, just have faith. Mm -hmm. they, they circled the wagons and they said, we're going to, we're not going to sub subject ourselves to this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand that mentality. Um, it, it affected me in 89 
that mentality affected me. I left the church. But I think that 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 as they have opened up, I think that they're doing it little by little seeing and, you know, because because they're cautious. Um, but, yeah, I still see that curiosity from the pulpit. I still see hear people saying, you know, get your own testimony, study, mm-hmm. study, read, ask questions. Um, and trust me when I tell you, I get questions <laughs> all the time. Uh, emails and messages and phone calls and stuff where I'm, I'm people are asking me questions and why I about this or about that. And, you know, I do the best I can to answer, but I tell them I'm not your bishop, you know, but I'll do the best I can to see if I can answer some of your questions. <laughs> do you know, it's kind of hard when I had my collapse of belief, I went to my bishop and the, the thing is I knew he couldn't answer him. Like I knew he couldn't resolve my issues. There's a, a crisis of faith and questioning history or doctrine are two different things. Yeah. If you have a crisis of faith, there's probably nobody around that can help you with that. It's something you got to work through on your own. Right. Like I say, I call it a collapse of belief. Uh, and I, the reason I do that is because I feel like I do have faith. It means something different to me faith before was kind of like holding on to what I thought I knew and like with all my might. And now faith is um, what I think is actually intended for that, the meaning of that word, which is I'm really not certain about things, but I'm going to act in faith that like the direction I'm going is the right direction. You know, so it's, it's a little different to me now at least the focus of it is you said you still maintained relationships with people that were still latter-day saints um when when, i left the church yeah no just you i met people along the way that were members of the church oh okay how did you maintain those relationships with them uh do you think where you had so much i don't know you're kind of had some animosity toward. Oh, listen, when I left the church, I, I hated the church. Yeah. And right after I left the church, I left the church at the end. Well, I sent my letter to have my name taken off the records in November of 89. In early 90, I think is when I got my letter saying that I would excommunicated. Just a few months later, I left that area and went into the army and left everybody behind. Mm. So there were no friends that I, I mean, I didn't communicate. I didn't maintain ties with anybody that I, when I left, I didn't have to see him. So there was never any opportunity to maintain any ties with anybody. Um, Now I met people along the way that were LDS and, and, uh, some that I would consider friends like, like Steve Marsh in Dallas. Uh, I think he lives in Salt Lake now, actually, but he was an attorney in Dallas and we were on opposing sides um, of most cases. And we were friends and we had long discussions. Um, And then Mike, of course, who was my friend, um, put my name in the temple every year for every week for 20 years. Uh, but I didn't maintain friendships with anybody that I didn't maintain anything when I left the church. What motivated you 
to criticize the church, like looking back, like, do you feel like you're, did you feel directed by God or no? Um, were you oh, gosh. misguided? Like God, how God, God is not the author of contention. No, okay. no, gosh, no. I was not directed by God to be anti. Um, anger. I felt betrayed. I mean, I gave up so much to become a member of the church yeah. and to serve a mission. I gave up. I, I was, I, I get my, a lot of my family and friends turned their backs on me when I left, when I joined the church, mm-hmm. I quit a job to be a missionary, which no, you know, most missionaries do it during college. You know, I, I was, a, I was employed. I was a college graduate. I quit my job. I left a fiance behind who left me at, you know, for somebody else when I was on my mission. I mean, I, I felt like I gave up an awful lot for a church that, that, and then I felt deceived by that church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was angry and I, yeah. no, there was nothing. I was, <laughs> I was not directed by God to be that hateful. Hmm. And some people feel like kind of a righteous, like they want to make sure everybody has informed consent. And so they want to make sure people know everything before they get baptized, or they want to make sure that people um, know that's everything great. before they donate 10% of their money. No, so they feel was, like that was they way, feel like a righteous that way, pull. That's way too altru- altruistic. I was, not, I was, no, I was hateful. Um, I was angry and I was yeah. hurt and I yeah. felt betrayed. Um, would, would you say like you kind of, so it sounds like you had a lot of similar feelings that a lot of the listeners are going to be like, yep, that's it. Um, but it, then it sounds like you were able to forgive at least whatever you say the church and it's made up of a lot of different people, but you were able to forgive because you felt like you understood why it was done. Like you just, you were, you were able to forgive, I guess. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about how that came to be, how you were able to forgive? Cause it doesn't sound like forgive you changed me. your mind really about, it being maybe they could have been, it could have been better. You know, you could have been able to ask questions and maybe not been. Forgive who? That's, that's what I mean. You, who did you feel betrayed by? The church. So did you forgive the church? Is that how you were able to reconcile? I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know that. I don't know that the thought of me forgiving anybody ever came to my mind. Some events happened, softened my heart. I prayed. I got answers. I came back. I mean, it, I got my testimony back. And I, I don't know that there was ever a moment that I thought I need to for, I forgive the church. I Perhaps I forgave myself um, because when I got my testimony back, I realized the church hadn't deceived me. So why would I forgive them? Okay. So you don't really, you don't feel like there was like a misstep there that should have been that, never happened. In the I first think place. the church could have been more open. Don't get me wrong. I think that had they been more open back then, um, perhaps I wouldn't have left. But keep in mind the way I, the way I look at things everything happens for a reason. If, if I were to have changed anything in my life, I wouldn't be where I am right now. 
and I like where I am right now. I am incredibly in love with my wonderful wife. She's my best friend. I like where I live. I like what I do. I like my job. I like the things that I have and, and you change anything. I'm not where I am right now. And I, I think everything happens for a reason. There have been millions of people that have, that have seen or heard my story. And it's helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was the plan all along. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to second guess God, but you got to go, you know, that, that may be everything happened that way for a reason. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that you say it like that. That's kind of, um, that's how I've tried to describe where I'm at to my family too. It's like, I really do feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, so I, I'm glad that you can feel that way too. That's, that's what I want for everybody. <laughs> Me too. So, um, as you've gone through all of these different like perspectives in your life, like any, any big like life lessons that you've learned, like that stick out to you. I think, I think it's important. To be able to forgive yourself. I think we're really hard on ourselves. And I also think that it's important to, to doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. I also think it's important to give more credibility to what you know and less credibility to what you don't know. Um, and patience and faith. Uh, you know, you, you touched on faith and what it means to you. Faith means to me that I put my confidence in Heavenly Father and that he knows what's best for me. When I had, when I found out I had cancer, um, worst phone call you'll ever get is when your doctor calls and says you, you have cancer. Um, I never prayed to be healed. Not once did I say, please, Heavenly Father, heal me. I prayed, I would say, Heavenly Father, I know you have the power to heal, but your will be done. Whatever you, whatever, if, if it's, if my time here on this earth is done, so be it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I've lived a really good life. You have the power to heal me, but your will be done. I never once prayed to be healed. And so I, I got to figure that he's got a better plan than what I have. And I'll do what he wants me to do and go where he wants me to go. And hopefully I'll do it right. Hopefully I, I, I say the right things and do the right things. And, and, um, that's, that's my faith. Yeah. Um, I've kind of come to the conclusion that, um, I, I, I'm perfectly, there's a lot of people like you that go through the weeds of church history and end up, you know, still being a practicing Latter-day Saint, you know, whether they have a 26 year break or not. 
Um, but I don't think you end up with the same belief. Um, I think it's like, it's like a refiner's fire and there's a lot of chaff that's burned away. Uh, at least that's what it is. Like, would you agree with that to a certain extent? I don't know. I did not have a lot of years before I, hmm. you know, all the weeds that I, that I uncovered in my 26 years didn't have anything to go up against because I'd only had six years as a member and I hadn't learned very much in six years. Mm-hmm. And so I, there was not, there's not really a refiner's fire for me. It's, it's, you're never going to find the perfect church because it's run by imperfect people. Every church is. Yeah. So you look for the church that you feel believe has the, 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 the right authority, the, 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 the keys as it were, mm-hmm. um, the fullness of the gospel as it were. And I believe that I'm there. Does that mean that I ignore the weeds? No, I know they're there, but I also know that, that you're never going to find perfection on this earth. So what you do is you, you see where the weeds come from and accept the weeds for what they are. And sometimes there's explanations for them and sometimes there's not. And I don't care. I've learned in my 26 years and in my years since then, uh, eight years since then, that it's, it's okay. It's okay not to know everything. It's okay not to understand everything so do you feel like your belief now is it's pretty much the same then like you just did a continuation then like you just took a break as far as your testimony goes and then you got your testimony back and then it was just continue so you didn't feel like there was a change or anything I have a much deeper and better faith now. Think about this. In 83, I joined the church after a few weeks of taking lessons from the missionaries. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about any of the weeds. Sure. I didn't know about anything. And then I went on a mission. I didn't learn about the weeds. I didn't learn about anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I came back and was in law school where I was too busy to learn about the weeds until I went to Palmyra. When I came back to the church, it was with full knowledge of those weeds. I had been using those weeds against members for 26 years. Right. So there was no surprise for me. There was no, oh no, what about this? I know the weeds. I've seen the warts. I believe anyway. Well, I guess the the thing I'm trying to get at a little bit is I think a lot of times people think that without knowing about some of the criticisms, they can still just, for example, I feel like um, one of the things, if you engage with members online or something like that, where they are aware of more of the issues than like maybe the average member, They'll, they'll say to you something like, well, of course we know that prophets are not infallible. And it's like, well, yeah, but I, technically I knew that before, but you really can't know it at the same level without knowing some of the church history. 
Like once you learn the church history, then you understand what that phrase prophets are not infallible. Well, like then you know what it really means. Do you know, do you see what I'm saying? There's just yeah, there's but, some but, information. But I don't get I don't get wrapped around the, the the axle about the prophets. I mean, think about this. One of the mistakes that I and maybe you're not doing this, maybe you are, but what I see a lot, a lot, is people using their 2023 moral goggles to judge the conduct and, and, and things people said back in the 1800s mm -hmm. or using their 2023 moral goggles to judge people, how people acted and what they did back 2000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge mistake because culture, I mean, just look at how much culture has changed in this country in the last five years, mm -hmm. you know, you can't even use your 2023 moral goggles and judge people two years ago. It's true. People get old tweets uh, dug up and then they get canceled. It's true. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I, you know, prophets said and did things back in the 1800s that I don't agree with now, but in their culture, it was fine. And, and, and what they were, and they were, they were using what they knew back then. We have great 2020 backward vision. Um, but we know things now that they did not know then. And so I, yeah. I'm not going to judge what people did and said back in 1800. So what the prophets said and did back then doesn't really affect me now. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't, doesn't seem to apply. That's interesting. Um, I would say that, uh, like, do you consider yourself to have like a nuanced belief or do you feel like it's a pretty traditional belief? If I say nuance, do you know what I'm saying? Sure, but I don't know what you mean because I don't know what a traditional belief is. I was a member for six years. Nuanced. I left for six and I came back eight years ago with the belief that I have. I don't know what a traditional belief is. Yeah. I know what my belief is. Yeah. Do you feel well, like there's any belief? I think, I, think, I think in some ways my belief is more grounded maybe than a lot of members. And I don't mean to insult any members, but if you've been raised in the church and you've never known anything else, mm -hmm. you've got nothing to compare it to. Yeah. When I do firesides, I ask how many people here are converts and I'll get a show of hands and um, I'll say, you really know how cool it is to have a prophet because you know what it's like not to have a prophet. And you know what to be a member of a church is that doesn't have a prophet. Mm -hmm. But people that are, it's, it's like, for me to become a member, I had to give up stuff. People that were raised in the church didn't give up anything. They, they didn't start drinking coffee or drinking iced tea or, or whatever. They didn't have to give that up. Mm -hmm. We did. Converts have to give stuff up. So we have a different view, I think, of, of, of the church than do people that were born in the church. It's like I tell people in Utah that have been raised and lived their whole lives in Utah and never left the state of Utah. You have no idea what it's like in, in other parts of the world where there's actual crimes. I mean, I mean, really bad stuff going on because it's pretty mild here in Utah compared hmm. uh, to what it was like in Dallas for me. So uh, I, I think I probably believe what they believe, but I believe it at a different direction. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, a little bit. I, um, I guess, well, I wasn't sure. I'll, I'll try to ask. Um, like, do you feel like there are, is room for people in the church that are basically nuns, but they still, they still either believe that the church is pragmatically true or um, they still want to participate. Like at what level, what, what level of commitment do you feel is welcomed without being like a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of perception? I can think they're, I'm trying to like, for example, without really being all in, you're not going to pay tithing. Right. You're not going to tithing is biblical. It's not church. It's right. Most, most people I, I know like they're happy to pay that 10%, like to a nonprofit or something. They're not interested in paying it to the church. Um, look, I, I, the answer to your question is, I, I, I don't know. Uh, well, and it's because I, I'm not required to know. And I mean, what I mean is if I'm a bishop and I'm interviewing somebody, I'll, if I was ever a bishop, which I won't be, but if I ever was, uh-huh. uh, and, and I, I had to interview somebody to be baptized or to come into the church and, or, or whatever, to, to whatever the situation would be, I would like the guidance that I would have to make those decisions. Yeah. My personal belief is the church is big enough for anybody. And, and yeah, we're not here for the people that are well. Yeah. We're here for the people that aren't well. And maybe becoming, become, well, when you say they're nuns trying to be in the church, what I'm saying is, is that. We're here for the members that are there, yes, but we also should be here for the people that are struggling and still trying to find their way, uh, yeah. whatever that is. And um, I would much rather see us embrace that. And, and again, I'm not giving, I'm not speaking for the church when I say this, but I think that we should embrace and try to help those people until they say they're, if, if they walk away, it's their choice, not not our choice saying you're not good enough for us. Hmm. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I I willingly left because I, I had a certain set of beliefs while I was practicing. And I knew I didn't live up to whatever that was. And so I felt like it was the right move to. It was the not, right move for you. Yeah. When I left, it was the right move for me. Yeah. Um, and ultimately you have to answer for your own conduct and, and nobody else has to answer for your conduct. Right. And you know, it is what it is. I will say this though. There's, I guess the reason I say that is because it bothers me. I don't believe that I know what's best for the church. And it bothers me a little bit when people try to change the church from within and say, okay, I don't have a literal belief of this anymore. Nobody should. And so I'm going to go in there and try to say people shouldn't believe this literally anymore. 
Well, you know, like that's what I, I guess I, that's personally why I kind of separated myself because I realized that my like fundamental beliefs had changed. Like they aren't the same. And it's kind of those fundamental beliefs that unite the church as a body of a church. That's like what the body is. If you want to be LDS, be LDS, but be LDS. It's like yeah. I say about Catholics. When I was Catholic, I used to say this. If you want to be Catholic, be Catholic, yeah. but be Catholic. Yeah. Don't be Catholic and then say you're for abortion because the Catholic Church is against abortion. Right. You don't be don't be cafeteria Catholic. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, but I won't take that. I won't take that. If that's how you are, then don't be Catholic. Be something else. Be whatever you want to be, but but don't. But if you're going to be something, be something. So what do you think? There's obviously some room on the edges for disagreement, like where you do kind of pick and choose. Like you, there are, there's like maybe a more central belief that defines a Latter-day Saint, right? And then you kind of have some outside beliefs that are less important. You might have an idea of something, but it would be something that you could uh you know, two Latter-day Saints could have a discussion about and be like, well, I think it's this and I think it's this. And there's really not, there's not a church answer for certain things. And, and, and we have discussed, I have a couple of friends that I, that are members of the church that, that we have those kind of discussions a lot, yeah. but yeah. I'm talking about core doctrinal beliefs. So that's what I, okay. So we're on the same page. Well, I was just kind of curious. What core doctrinal belief and you don't want to believe that, then that's fine. Uh, you know, you're not forced to, but then don't say, don't be, if you're going to be something, be it. Yeah. Don't be, well, don't that's be, why I felt like be I, partly it. And see, then that's why I felt that. like I couldn't. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, that's why I felt like I, I shouldn't participate anymore. It's because those core beliefs, those, those ones that they ask you for the temple recommend question and the baptismal ones, I couldn't answer them anymore. And so that is actually why I left. It wasn't because I didn't want to, do the rules right it's because those core beliefs i realized they don't represent what i believe anymore well and like i said the whole my whole comment about rules and stuff didn't apply to everybody sure. like i said it applies to certain people that i've spoken with hmm. um but i also think there are people like you that just say i don't believe anymore yeah and 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 look and i'm being honest with myself back in, back in the old days and maybe even somewhat now um uh -huh. Well, if you leave the church, it's because you committed some great sin. And I was so angered by that, even even with other people. Just because someone leaves the church doesn't mean they're they're leaving because they committed sin. Uh -huh. Sometimes you just stop believing like I did. I just stopped believing. Yeah. And if, if you can't believe, then you shouldn't be a part. Right. But that's with anything. I mean, I. If I can't. If I can't keep my vows in my marriage, I should not be in my marriage. I shouldn't stay in my marriage and lie about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question. And then I'll give you some final words if you want. Uh, poof, the church doesn't exist anymore. Where would you go? Actually, I think I already know the answer, but I'll let you answer. <laughs> if the LDS church went away tomorrow? Yeah. Catholic. Yeah, that's what I thought. Huh? You knew that. Yeah, yeah. 
I thought it was a more interesting question. There's there's a lot of my questions that I kind of had to skip over because they just didn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I enjoyed enjoyed talking to you. Um, but yeah, any final words? <laughs> I, look, I've enjoyed talking with you. I've enjoyed the discussion, and um, all I can tell you is, I know the church is true. I know that not everybody does. I know that Joseph was a prophet. I know that not everybody does, but I do. And I'm not some fly by night guy who bends with the wind. I'm and like I said, I'm a former Lieutenant Colonel, former city councilman, managing attorney. I'm, I have some pretty strong beliefs and some pretty strong stances, but for me, this is, I was led here. Uh, the, the miracles, if, if anybody wants to, that you link that to, if they want to watch those other things that you're going to link, they'll understand the miracles. Um, I don't believe in coincidence and I know the church is true and I'm, I'm very, very happy to be a part of it. And that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, coming on and sharing your interesting story.